Hi, this is Jennifer Flowers. Guess what I'm doing? I'm listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Oh, I love it. Hey, listen in. Thank you, Jennifer. And thank you for listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. And uh, Jennifer will be back later on in the show to give us an update uh, from her home in Branson uh, about what she's doing now. We all have seen so much of the coverage of COVID-19 and the crisis that we're all facing and the lockdown and all of this. But on today's program, except for a couple of comments that I requested, uh, we're going to uh, be talking about some great memories. And uh, uh, so it's going to take you away from, you know, the day-by-day, 24-7 barrage of the media. I hope you enjoy it. Now, on with the show. Hi, Laura. Hey, Don. Have I caught you at a bad time? No. I, no bad time is a bad time if you're calling. Oh, <laughs> oh you sugar ton devil. <laughs> <laughs> that southern charm, honey, it works every time. Well, hopefully we'll have an interview with Laurel Goodwin. That's who that uh, pretty lady was who co-starred with Elvis and Stella Stevens in Girls, Girls, Girls. Laurel is a great gal, and she's a good friend of mine. And so uh, I'm going to call Laurel back and uh, see if I can get her on the show. Hi, Dawn. It's Mindy. Hey. Um, Listen, I should have been there by now. Um... Hi, it's Mindy Miller. Look for me and other celebrities on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beach. Coming up right now is one of the most cheerful people that always makes me smile. And she's going to be talking about a main squeeze that she had. That's right, Elvis himself. So, without any further ado, Mindy Miller. I'm speaking with the lovely Mindy Miller. Hi, Mindy. Hello, Don. I love the way you said that. Uh, uh, Mindy... As you know, Larry is on the show today, too. Tell us about your days with Elvis and Larry and talking about the spiritual side of Elvis. Well, there there was just so much about him. Um, And, you know, Larry had that real connection with him on a spiritual level. And Larry was brought up by his mom, who was an extremely spiritual woman, and so he very much grew up in that realm, and when he met Elvis, um, Elvis, as he would always say, was already on the path. And Elvis would say to me, you know, Mindy, you're on the path, and with these books we'll study together, and we'll read them, and we'll underline, and we'll do the work that we need to do on our souls. And Larry was really instrumental in taking Elvis to the next level, and the levels above that. And he was somebody that Elvis did not have in his entourage. And I think a lot of the guys, and I, you know, I can't say for sure, but perhaps they were 
a little envious that, you know, Elvis would spend, you know, some private quality time with Larry, um, going over those questions and answers and study periods with the spirituality and the esoterics and the Bible and, you know, the seven stages of astral projection and, and all of that that the guys didn't get, they weren't into, and they didn't understand it, as well as the bottle of the women in Elvis's life. So Larry was just very, very instrumental in that, and um, he has kept on that path his whole life. It's, it's a journey that he has been on on his own, but brought to Elvis. So he had a lot to bring to Elvis, um, and I'd like to think that I had something to bring to Elvis because as I've spoken to Larry about it, you either know that you're an old soul or you don't. And old souls recognize each other. They recognize each other immediately. You can look in someone's eyes and the way they present themselves and the way they talk and what they speak about. And I can tell within the first five, ten minutes of meeting someone if they're an old soul or a new soul. And I think that Elvis and um, Larry really recognized that in each other because I know that Larry was asked to work for other people, you know, Peter Sellers and, and other entertainers as their private hairdresser, and he really didn't have an interest. But I know that he said when Elvis asked him, he didn't even think about it. He did not bat an eyelash. He was there for Elvis. He quit his job. He quit everything he was doing to just be there for Elvis because that's how magical the man was. And I saw it the same way, too, and we both shared you know, our paths with him. And it's important for that legacy to continue so that, like Elvis told Larry and Elvis told me, and Larry and I have shared this together, that Elvis had said to, to each one of us separately, I want my fans to know who I am and not just what I wore and not what date a concert was or what date I recorded a specific song. He wanted them to know him. And that's why he kept saying, do you ever think I'll be remembered? Do you think people will remember me? And, you know, we always said, of course they will, Elvis. But, you see, they didn't get to know him, the man, and that's what he wanted his fans to know. I saw it the same way, too, and we both shared, you know, our paths with him. And it's important for that legacy to continue so that, like Elvis told Larry and Elvis told me and Larry and I have shared this together that Elvis had said to, to each one of us separately I want my fans to know who I am and not just what I wore and not what date a concert was or what date I recorded a specific song he wanted them to know him and that's why he kept saying do you ever think I'll be remembered do you think people will remember me and, you know, we always said, of course they will, Elvis. But, you see, they didn't get to know him, the man, and that's what he wanted his fans to know. And that's why Larry and I tirelessly, when we're invited somewhere, we go out and we speak about the things that Elvis wanted his fans to know. And I believe that we are the conduits through which, you know, Elvis's soul passes through us to his fans. Because... They have no way of getting close to him. 
Um, and if they didn't know him in person, they wouldn't know these things about him unless somebody shared them. So when I try to explain to people things like that, they're, they're in shock that Elvis studied things like this and the esoteric studies of Christ and all of that. They, they have no reality that Elvis was this deep of a human being and that, you know, the books that he read like Alice B. Bailey, um, which are quite expensive now, are very, very technical, even though they're very spiritual books. And if you don't study this, it's way over your head. So when I do my, my, my speeches and when I talk to his fans and I do these events, I have to be very, very careful, Don, because a lot of it is over people's heads, and I'll tell the event planners, what I'm looking to speak about, and they say, no, no, don't talk about that. That that they'll they'll you'll lose them. You'll lose the audience because they don't get it. They don't understand it. They're so used to, you know, what did Elvis wear? How handsome was Elvis? He was the most beautiful man in the world. Oh, he wore this jumpsuit. They don't even realize that every single jumpsuit he wore had special meaning behind it. Um, you know, uh, so. I have to be really, really careful in how I present these things to them because it's over and above their heads. A lot of the Elvis fans really aren't even into the spirituality. They're into him more as an entertainer, as a singer. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's very different. All the fans are very different people. But well, that's true. But, well, it's one of the reasons that I want you to share it. Because I know Elvis, you know, had a lot of interests like this, and he was yeah. really deep, and he was very intelligent, he was very well read, and that's why I wanted to do this show with you, and of course with Larry Geller, uh, mm -hmm. because uh, you know there's a lot of fans that would like to understand, and uh, this this program goes out to them. I don't, I've never censored what you know my guests could talk about or couldn't talk about, but I think it's very important for for people who love Elvis to realize more of the way the man truly thought and what he was in, interested in. Well, yeah, and you know, he could not present all of that on stage. The most that he could present to his, his fans and his followers were his spiritual songs, his gospel songs, but behind those songs and behind what he's saying, you know, on stage was this whole other side of him that unless you were really one-on-one -on -one with him, he didn't sit in big groups and talk about this stuff. And so, you know, not only was Larry very privileged one-on-one um, -on -one and quiet time with him, but so was I. We'll continue on this path of Mindy Miller and with Larry Geller coming up soon. But first, I want to share a couple of uh, recorded messages from uh, some folks dealing with this COVID-19 lockdown. Don, good morning from Menominee, Wisconsin. This is Doris Tirana. Um During this time, I'm an essential worker. I work at Walmart. Um, my husband has many underlying health issues, so we take it one day at a time. We say our prayers. We try not to get over anxious about it, um, but we're doing good. Things are going well here. 
um, almost everybody that I know of at Walmart mm -hmm. and the employees um, were all dealing with the public and by the grace of God, none of us have gotten sick. Um, I hope that you are doing well. I hope things are going great for you and thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, Don Wilson. Hello, everyone. I am, I am living in Santa Monica, California, not far from Hollywood. Um, my name is Melinda Bloomfield Neal. People are staying at home now more than ever. We all need to keep the prayers going for the whole world. It's in his hands. We have written more songs than ever for the most recent two years. Music speaks volumes. We will make it through this. The virus will not hinder us. Stay strong and safe. Love always wins. We speak through our songs. Oh, man, and that is that that's a true thing right there. If you would like to make a comment on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat, contact me. Contact me at Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat at gmail.com. Or uh, if you're on Anchor, you can send me a voice message. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Ginger Alden. Join me for an evening in Memphis at the Hugh Hotel on August 12th, 2020, from 5 to 10 p.m. Tickets on sale at Tick and Spice for an evening with Ginger. Hi everyone, this is Ginger Alden, and you are listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. This next clip is courtesy of my friends Krista Joy and Peter Alden of the TCB Radio Network. Absolutely love it. And Don Wilson's online. I need to say hi to Don because he's the whole reason I met you guys. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, he um, he's he's only using Wisdom Organics. He loves your products, as you guys know. So I wanted to acknowledge Don. Don was a good friend of Elvis's. Elvis loved Don Wilson. Oh, wow! He really did. Yeah. Yeah, he has he has so many great stories, and um, oh, I know I know yeah, he, he thinks so everybody. much of you guys too. Don knew every celebrity that yeah. there. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Don's amazing. Hey, Larry. Don, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Give us an idea about uh, the time, 1964, when you were called to Elvis's home, and what happened. Oh, well. Anyway, 1964, you know, certain dates you never forget. It was April 30th. I was at the salon in Hollywood, and we had the very first starring salon in America. We did Sinatra, Rando, Steve McQueen, uh, Peter Sellers, Glenn Campbell, the Elderly Brothers. Um, I was in Roy Orbison, a lot of very interesting people. So one afternoon, my phone rang, and I answered it, and on the other line, there was a fellow that worked for Elvis in Valenfortis, who you knew, 
And he said, Larry, I'm sitting here with Elvis Presley. He wants to know if you'd like to come up to his home here in Bel Air to fix his hair. And when I heard him say that, it was stunning to me. He said, I'm working with, you know, the, the icons in Hollywood, Warren Beatty and Henry Fonda and all these people. But Elvis was, and is more even now, the celebrity of celebrities. So, Larry, what happened when you got to the house to see Elvis? He walks up to me, and he puts out his hand. He said, hi, I'm Elvis Presley. I said, hi, Elvis. I'm Larry Geller. It's so great to meet you. And he said, come on, man. Let's go in the bathroom, and you, you'll take care of my hair, and we'll talk. I said, okay. I'm walking into Elvis' bathroom, and I'm thinking to myself, Johnny, what is going on? Yeah. I'm going into his bathroom. <laughs> this is not even real, but it was, you know. It was shocking to me. Surreal moment. Oh, man. And loving it. We walked into his bathroom. We just head into a basin. He said, come on, man. Let's do it right here. I said, okay. I put a towel around him. And I turned the faucet on. I put shampoo in his hair. I'm rinsing. I'm cupping it. I'm trying to be very careful. Is Elvis. All of a sudden, I'm almost completed. He picks his head up and starts rearing his head back and forth. And I'm telling you, water is splattering on me and <laughs> him. His shirt is drenched and he looks at me. And he shrugs his shoulders and says, Hey, Larry, what the hell, man? This is clean. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, when he said that, kind of put me at ease because I knew who he was. He had that ability to do that, didn't he? He did have that ability, but he was telling me, signaling me, that he was down to earth. I must apologize for the sound quality of my interview with Larry Geller, but it's really not my fault. It's the fault of Ma Bell. When was the last time you heard that expression? Boy, I'm really dating myself. Well, one more story from Larry, and then Jennifer Flowers. This is Kim Davis, and you're listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. As promised, one more story from Larry Geller. He really, I remember one night we were on tour, I think this was 1976 somewhere, and we were in Oklahoma. And we're at the auditorium, and I'm in the dressing room with Elvis, and I'm doing this hair. And some from, someone from the colonel's office came in, Elvis, I got great news. I said, what? What is it? He said, on the next tour, they're going to raise the tickets. To, to the concert, your concerts. I was like, wait, <laughs> no way, man. No way. I'm not going to let that happen. My fans, most of them, have to struggle. And I know what struggling is all about. I know how hard it is out there. And they have to scrimp and save for months just to see me in a concert. When they come to my concerts, I want to make them feel good. 
because we all go through struggles in our lives. When I sing, which is my mission in life, is to make people happy. No way am I going to let them raise those ticket prices. That's what everybody meant it. Well, yeah, he, he truly loved the fans. Right? Right. Larry, I, I've got to tell you, I've I've got to let people know about Wisdom Organics, you know, and I use it. I don't use anything else, and uh, <laughs> I really don't, you know, because you know, really, you know, it's just like my hair. <laughs> tell, tell us about how you got it started and how we can uh, we can get a hold of it. When I started doing Elvis's hair, the market didn't have organic shampoos in those days. They had. Uh, shampoos laden with chemicals, and that is the worst thing. Elvis said to me right away, he said, Lawrence, because he saw what I was doing. What I did was I got my, my um, vitamin E a, a gel capsules, and I punctured the holes in them, and I would squeeze them into, my, into a bottle of shampoo, and I poured pure olive vera oil into it, and some uh, herbs. I would shake it, and I made my own my own concoction for Elvis because he said to me, you do what you want with my hair, Lawrence. But one thing, man, you make sure I keep it. And he was serious. He would, I mean, we're talking Elvis's hair. Right. His hair was so important. And you know that, you, that there's a couple of pictures of Elvis when he went into the army and they're buzzing his hair. He's got that silly grin on his face. He said, Lawrence, I was dying inside. I hated it. My hair, man. But I had to smile. What can I do, you know? Right. And I would massage his scalp, and I would brush. I always, I always brushed his hair 20, 30, 40 times before I did anything, because it's very healthy, but that's all the subject. So at any rate, over the years, I made my own shampoo. I, homemade shampoos. I got to a point, we came up with Wisdom Organics, and the chemist put uh, um, uh, a formula together that is so advanced, based upon everything I did in the past, because I wouldn't use anything else, ever. And they're available on wisdomorganics.com. Wisdom with an E, uh, wisdomorganics.com. And just read, read my history, and I got a lot of blogs on there about hair care and various treatments. So what's really interesting and important, a free ebook, all about nutrition and exercise, and because um, my program is holistic. That's it in a nutshell. And now checking in during this lockdown, my lovely friend Jennifer Flowers from her home in Branson. Hey Don, it's Jennifer Flowers. Good to be on your show as always. I'm in Branson, Missouri right now and uh, you know things are very quiet here. As you well know, this is a tourist industry but everything has been shut down. Uh, I am working on uh, new, a new podcast called The Jennifer Flowers Hour, 
and you and I have talked about that. And uh, so I've got some projects going that I can work on in the meantime. I think it's kind of lonesome and very frustrating right now, but I'm believing in our president. I believe that he's got our best interest at heart. And I believe that ultimately everything is going to turn out just fine. I feel very positive about where our country's going to be when all this craziness is over. Great to talk with you today. As always, take care. Bye-bye. Jennifer Flowers sounds as pretty as she looks now, doesn't she? Thank you, Jennifer. I always love to talk to you, and you're always welcome on my podcast. And I can't wait to hear the Jennifer Flowers Hour podcast. As I'm doing this show, it's Glenn Campbell's birthday, April 22nd. He was born in the year of 1936, and he would have been 84 years old today. I really do miss Glenn. Glenn was a wonderful person, a great entertainer, as the whole world knows. And to close out the show today, I'm going to uh, play a clip of Glenn. Uh, well, when you had the Good Time Hour, that was fantastic. It was a great showcase. And I remember that uh, uh, Johnny Cash, Buck Owens, and Merle Haggard were all on your show one time. But CBS didn't seem to be too happy because they said it was too country, right? CBS was having an image problem, I guess. You know, they didn't want the Hicks on because it was... Paley, uh, when I went off, he was the president of CBS during that time. He'd fired the Smothers Brothers. And he wanted... I guess he just... And that was part of it also. But I remember a guy named Wood. What was his name, Roger? Wood. Bob Wood. Bob Wood was the head of programming for CBS nationally. And they said, Glenn, you got to cut down the, you know, the country acts. The show went in the tank after that. I was singing with Barbara Feldman, uh, Fess Parker, people who don't sing. I mean, they're great actors and actresses and they do what they do, but they wanted that kind of people on the show to sing. And I just said, I'm sorry, man. And one week, just out of spite, I booked uh, Merle, Johnny Cash, Jerry Reed, <laughs> Buck Owens, Ann Murray was on the show. I mean, it, it, it is the best, probably the best show we did on the Good Time Hour. And it was number it was number one that week in the ratings. But that didn't make any difference, you know? They had this thing, how they wanted, what they wanted to be seen on network. And that's really why. So instead of putting me on for 300000 I think it would have cost a week, they got Sonny and Cher for 140000 So they put them on. Are there any plans to release uh, some more of those Good Time uh, Hours on video? I know you've got it set out right now. Yeah. What I wanted, I, I did, they put the set up, but... I found out you can't leave the commercials in, and you can't leave any of that stuff in because of... That's why you, you don't see musical shows syndicated, because of unions. Uh, the union, I mean, it, it, it costs more now to syndicate the Good Time Hour than it did to make them live, than it did to do them in the first place. It costs twice as much now just to put them on a TV show than it did to make them, and that don't make a lot of sense to me, you know what I mean? But. Uh, I want to I want to pick out the ones that I want and like the country show with the with the Merle and uh, Johnny Cash and and uh, Buck Owens and uh, I want to get that one with another one and put it out because I tell you the, the commercial I introduced the Big Mac man and there's a Danny Grover Danny oh, who's the actor with Impact Two or Danny Glover 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 is that his name. Danny Glover, and he's singing in the Big Mac commercial, you know. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole commercial, I introduced the 1970 Monte Carlo Chevrolet on the show. Mm-hmm. It's just silly things that are actually funny, you know. To see now, to see how it was back then. Man, it was, you look at the show and you really think it's a time warp. <laughs> well, 
Well, it'd be great to see those again because I, I never missed one if I could help it. In fact, the one that's out now has got John Wayne in it, your friend. That's right. And the music show that's with that package. I told them they shouldn't do that either. I'd like to package the Good Time Hour, and if you want to package the, 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 the Glen Campbell Music Show, which I did for NBC for a year. I'd like to see that done. But John Wayne, yes, he, that had to be the first one. He was, uh, he was incredible. There's one incident that I remember that uh, I read in your book, in fact, that uh, John Wayne apologized to you in front of the cast and crew after you came up on his blind side after a bad direction from uh, Henry Hathaway. Right. Henry Hathaway said, go up on his left side and grab the reins. And so I went up and he says, this is just in rehearsal. He said, what are you coming on this side for? I can't see. Alex said, I got a patch on that side. And uh, anyway, it started. He, he just let off some steam and all that. It's kind of laughs. That's what Hathaway told me to do, Duke. I said, I've never done this before, you know? Said, what side do you want me to come up on? I'll come up on it. The hell with Hathaway, you know. <laughs> the director don't know what he's doing anyway. You know? <laughs> yeah, but you did a great performance on there. But uh, you finally got back at the Duke, so to speak, on your TV show when you had the bigger horse. Right. I put him on the little horse. I got a picture of that hanging at the house. I think I'm going to get that blowed up about to make wallpaper out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first right there. Right? John Wayne was just like he was on the screen. He was an incredible human being. Um. I tell you, there, was, there were a lot of funny incidences that happened to you, and I remember one time you were performing in Las Vegas with your parents, and you asked Paul in why he didn't play Vegas. Yeah, I had mom and dad on stage, and I said, to, I introduced him, I said, you know, Paul, you should get a show and come down and play Vegas, and people just applauded and hollered, and after it died down, he said, I can't. He said, my parents are dead. <laughs> that tore the house down. Yeah, he had a one-of-a-kind sense of humor. He sure did. We, I miss Paul. You've seen him around, you know. Yeah, we were talking about uh, CBS earlier, but uh, Capitol also didn't see the uh, uh, chance for Highwaymen to become a single, and that was great. You had it originally. Yeah, they wouldn't. That's 1980, and they wouldn't release it as a single record. And it just irked me because they wouldn't do that. Uh, in fact, I quit Capitol over that. That was why I left Capitol Records. It was bad for them, it was bad for me. But they had a regime, and that regime only lasted about a year. They wanted me to do the knack kind of stuff, you know. And after Rhinestone Cowboy and Southern Nights, I didn't want to do any knack kind of stuff because I didn't really dig my Sharona that much anyway. Mm -hmm. so I just want to show everybody I really enjoy doing Marilyn Monroe. Isn't it just delicious? Have a great day. Hello. This is Melinda Bloomfield Neal, the songwriter, the impersonator, and the movie extra. Um, this is a wonderful thing to do a radio show with Don. He's been a friend of ours for quite some time. And I just wanted to talk about the movie extra work that I did with TBN. It was a movie called Megiddo, The Omega Code. It was filmed in Pasadena California in September 2000. It was so interesting being with so many types of actors and actresses. And I gotta say it, <laughs> a special hello to everyone on Facebook. Thanks for supporting me and enjoy. I enjoy what all y'all have to say. Uh, also, I wanna let everybody know I've done some Marilyn Monroe tribute shows and that is so much fun to do.
listening to the TCB Radio Network. Hello, friends. This is Elvis Presley. This is Cynthia Pepper from Chasing Cousins. This is Elvis' Speedway co-star, Victoria Page Myrie. This is Zoe Gotto, author of Alpha Style from Supersuits to Jumpsuits. Hi, everybody. I am Marion Park, the official sex symbol on TCB Radio Network. This is Mindy Miller. This is Ray Walker from the Jordanaires. I'm Roddy McDowell. This is Don Wilson. And if you're looking for Elvis, you're in the right place. TCB Radio Network. Where everything is about Elvis. It is all about Elvis. All Elvis, all the time. If you want to listen to something really stylish, listen to TCBRadioNetwork.com. With my friends, Peter Alden and Kristen Joy. Don't leave. If you do, you'll be sorry for a short time the rest of your natural life. As Elvis would say, Tom will People who know Elvis know the TCB radio network, where it's all Elvis all the time. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, sir. Hi, I'm Kathy Garver, sissy on TV's Family Affair and the new Aunt Sissy. And you're listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Thank you, Kathy. I tell you, I've always loved Kathy Garber, and she's such a sweetheart. I am blessed to know Kathy. And uh, I haven't seen her for a couple of years or so, so I hope to remedy that after this lockdown is over with. And uh, I loved her in Family Affair. And uh, if you check out the Ten Commandments, you can see Kathy Garver in that classic film, too. And uh, I can't wait to see Aunt Sissy. Well, that's it for for today, for tonight, for now. And uh, thanks for listening, and join me on the next episode of Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Until I meet you again, may God bless you. Adios.